I remember looking at the game thinking like, well, what if I had to, could I play an NBA game? I said, I probably could have. As long as they played on one end of the floor. And I didn't have mm-hmm. to run down to the other end because the game is just it's changed and, and physically you've changed. So that was tough to see Jordan, you know, to see Jordan have some struggles. And yeah, he averaged twenty two, but twenty two points and do we even do we even define that when we think about Jordan's legacy? The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah. We talk about he was with Washington. The way I look at it is, and for me it's different because at that time I I cherished it. I relished in that fact that he was coming back because I was able to see more Michael Jordan. I caught the tail end of the Jordan of the uh, Bulls era. So this is a new chance for me to not only so see him, but to go to go to a game. I yes, went to a game. So, so that was the saying? first time I ever. If, if Michael never came back, I would so never be able to saying? say. I saw him go off and drop twenty plus against the Celtics. I saw him beat the Celtics. I saw uh, uh, Paul Pierce got a block on him. Actually, no, I think it was Antoine. Antoine got a block on him, and I saw the the Fleet Center light up with cameras light up the floor every time he uh, took a free throw or when he was holding his hips when someone else was at the free throw line. You know, it was it was great. I, I think I cherish. I cherish it in that way. But you didn't. But you saw, you saw a glimmer of who he was. It wasn't really the Michael Jordan that you had come to love and dominate the game. No, it wasn't. But the way I look at it, if you're talking about his legacy, I look at it as someone who's just always wanted a new challenge. Like it wasn't about oh I don't care if we don't make the playoffs I'm doing this for me I want to prove to myself I can still put up twenty well, well, how would you, against how against would these you, guys well how would you look at it now if you came back today the if play he, if you came back right now came back today to play that, I mean, okay this is ridiculous <laughs> that's different though <laughs> twenty years later came back like well Michael was coming back what five six years ago I would say he could he could put up eight ten a game now no. The NBA has changed so much that he, I don't think he puts up, I don't think he averages six points. Or maybe. It had to be all jump shots. <laughs> because he's not going to be his athleticism. He can't live above the rim anymore. But in that, in that time, though, with the Wizards, he was still going above the rim. Remember the block on Ron Mercer to end the game? Yeah, I remember that. When he was mad and he went and blocked the shot with two hands. Pulled it off the board. For a 40-plus-year-old guy? Everybody, I'm going to tell you, in those ways... There's there's a glimpse that you have at the end of your career. I enjoyed those glimpses. Which is, all right? which I is like amazing. those glimmers. My, my last year, and everybody said, "Well, this isn't about about you." Well, well, I'm gonna make it about me now. It's your podcast, my, man. My last year in the NBA was the only year out of my 11 years playing that I ever had a triple double. My last year in Houston, coming off the bench behind Jim Peterson and playing with Elijah Wan. Jim Peterson was um, guarding Wayman Tisdale, the great Wayman Tisdale I at the time. Him. I remember him Jump with the shooter, Oklahoma. But well, he was playing that time. He was playing with Indiana. And I had just got down and told the ball boy to bring my glass of Gatorade. And I was about to take a sip of it. I looked up. The first two minutes of the game, Jim Peterson gets three fouls. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, like Jesus, Pete. <laughs> You're like, damn, I got I to play now? I got to go in. So I go in. I go in this game. 
In the first first couple of minutes of the game, I think the first half of the game, I get like 15 points in the quarter. And then I have like six assists. And then I had, you know, like eight re And then put me back in the game, and I get a triple-double. Were you thinking about it the whole time? No, I wasn't thinking about it the whole time. Who my, told you you were getting close My to teammate it? said something when I got the last, I got a rebound, and I had my big fellow... Um, Joe Barry Carroll running the wing, and I took two dribbles. I passed it to him. He came and dunked the basketball, and that was for my triple double. And I was thirty, I was thirty three, thirty four at the time, and just like it was like so, it was my last hurrah. Yeah. So I think everybody, you know, is gonna get that energy at the end. But again, my thing with Jordan was he didn't make the playoffs. Right. If you average 22 points in a game, should Michael Jordan make the playoffs? He should, especially when Michael Jordan sets that goal. Because that's, right. that's what he said from the right. beginning. Right. I'm going to bring this team to the playoffs. And, that's and they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. But did you remember what that team looked like, man? <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. I remember there was Outside some guy. of Rip Hamilton. Some guy. That, that Rip Hamilton, who was going to be a Hall of Famer. Outside of him, though. Rip Hamilton going to be a Hall there of Famer. a lot of guys in that squad, man. Who was who was that? Who was Kwa- Kwame, Kwame, Brown. Kwame Brown? Yeah, that didn't work out. Who Jordan won it? Who Jordan won it? Yeah, Jordan won it. Kwame Brown. Fuck that up. Yeah. So I mean, there are things that you know you you look at Michael Jordan as a player, but look at Jordan, Michael Jordan as the the GM or or even when Charlotte, just some of the moves they've made in Charlotte, which haven't been good. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know. I'm just. Uh, just kind of in the middle of it, you know. I just think that there's a time for everybody. You know, when Muhammad Ali kept coming back, and then you think of those last couple of fights where, you know, he just got beaten, mm-hmm. and it was just like, oh, my God. I remember my brother-in-law said he went and saw uh, Larry Holmes and Ali fight, uh, and he said he just started crying because Ali didn't have it. In the eighth round, they just threw the towel in. He was, he, he you know, Ali didn't have it. And he was a shell of himself. So I, I think it in every every athlete's life, you know, it comes that t- that point where you know you have to move on, and you appreciate the great ones who walk away. Jim Brown walked away at the pinnacle of his career. He was what's his like his eighth or ninth year uh, with uh, Cleveland, and was remarkable. Barry Sanders mm. walked away, and I said, "Oh, Barry Sanders is coming back." Barry Sanders never came back. Certain guys just walk away from the game and they never come back. So, so I, I, I'm just a little, no, up and down when it comes to players coming back, especially after they set out for a while. Yeah, I mean, what surprised me too is he picked another sport. <laughs> you just don't see that someone at the top of their game, at the top, the the face of the league, three championships in a row. I'm gonna go play baseball. My whole thing was when I was a kid, I thought he did that because his dad passed. In this documentary, he's saying that he was already, he had talked to his dad about that already before he passed it, and was thinking about it even. Not only that, but he won I, the think, championship. I think the thing that you said is that, you know, crushed the rumors about Michael Jordan and his gambling. That the NBA yes. had told him that he was going to have to be away from the game right. for two years. They put that to bed. And he's going to have to be out in the league for two years. Uh, because he had a gambling problem, and they were going to suspend him anyway. This is just a way for him to walk away, and he he he, he crushed that one. Like no, mm-hmm. no, that 
That ain't true. And David Stern backed it up from uh, a, a interview that they, he had recorded before he passed. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you know that's something that's still to this day. People were always thinking that that was the that was the reason behind it. But again, back to my point though with Jordan. To me, he just if he had a challenge in his mind, he was going to do it. It didn't. He didn't care what people thought. Well, the thing that you keep hearing about Jordan was just how competitive he was. And that was a knock on him, saying that in everything, he wanted to win. And when he started playing golf, he wanted to beat everybody. And and guys who would, they would fleece him because they were better golf players. But he was so determined that I'm going to beat you, I'm going to be good. He got hustled. That he got got hustled. Right. And uh, I think that's the thing about James Worthy, who played with him at uh, North Carolina, uh, Chapel Hill, talks about how, him and Michael Jordan were playing backgammon, and he beat Michael Jordan playing backgammon, and Michael Michael Jordan turned the board over because he was so mad. Because it was just a competitive drive that he did not want to lose. Mm-hmm. And then the thing I always think about Jordan, I always say, it's such a comparison in a different light in the fact that Michael Jordan, when he was a sophomore, I want to say sophomore at Langley High School, he got cut. He got cut from the team. Yeah. When I was a sophomore. And my junior year in high school, I got cut from the team. Really? I didn't make the team as a junior in high school. I was 6'7", maybe 169 pounds. No, I was more sick. No, I was probably 6'4", about 169. Why? What did the coach say to you? What was his explanation? No, he didn't really have one. It just you said, didn't have questions? He just said there were players who were better than me. That was all. He just. My mom ended up calling him. Said, "What did he do? Because you know he's a good oh, player." Yeah, she called him because my mom is. You know, she's damn. a basketball aficionado. How upset were you when you got home? I, you know, she didn't know it until I came home and said, "Well, I got cut from the team." She's like, "What? You got cut from the team?" And she ended up calling Paul Jones. I said, "Coach, what did he do wrong?" And he said, "Miss Maxwell, he's, you know, there were other players who were better than him." Just like that. Yeah, we didn't have enough. And so what happened was that my coach's name was Paul Jones. He had a, um, like like most basketball coaches, they have a PE class. So I was in this PE class, and we were playing basketball. That was after he had cut me. And the next year, they weren't going to have that good of a team. So he got a chance to watch me every day, you know, play basketball. And, man, he just be like, watching me? I'm like, why is this dude just watching me like that? And then finally, one day he asked this player who would use, who was a graduate of um, of Kinston High, but now his name was Yogi, was was the guy, and said, Yogi, I want you to play one-on-one and see what he got. And play one-on-one, and I beat Yogi because I was so much taller, and, you know, I was, I was gangly, I was quick. And then he said, can you dunk? And by the time I was probably about six, five, or something like that, I said, I'd never done it before. And I got up and dunked the ball with one hand, like, whoa, okay. Man, you never even and wanted to try no, it? No, I, I, I had never thought about it. Then he said, well, can you dunk with two hands? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and I took a couple of dribbles and jumped up and dunked it. I was like, whoa, I, I didn't even know that I had that. And then he asked me later on, he said, well, are you going to come back out for the team next year? I said, no. He said, why? I said, you just cut my You ass. just cut me. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> well, we're going to come back out for the team. 
And he said, well, I wouldn't worry about that this time if I was you. And I went back out for the team and, you know, um, kind of grew as our team. We, As I grew, our team got better and I got more comfortable. We got better until we finally ended up um, going to the state, uh, state tournament. And we won our division and people didn't pick us to do it because we're a young team. Mm-hmm. And, and I was the young stalwart who came up. So, you know, those things happen. I think that most players grow into their ability. And, you know, you you see, I always say this about high school players. There are guys who you saw and you played against in high school. They never got better from the time you saw them. Mm-hmm. You see them play again, you're going, man, dude never improved. And you thought, you, you thought he was going to be the man. Right. You thought like, that man, he was the best player you ever seen. Yeah, oh, my God. This guy's just. Right. And then you leave your neighborhood, which you don't realize about the NBA and all these other things. You leave your neighborhood. And now you got to be the best player in your city. Okay. Now you got to be the best player in your county. Then you got to be the best player in the state. Mm-hmm. Then you think about it to get to the NBA. Yeah, there's a whole country. You got to be one of the best players in the country. Yeah. <laughs> and then to be, as I look at me, be the finals MVP. I mean, you were the best player in the world at that time. <laughs> for, for, for whatever it is, yeah, you know, right. people can say whatever they want to say. Yeah. But for but, but that particular time, when you yeah. won the championship, You're on the throne. you were the best player. You're on the throne. You were the yeah. best. It wasn't Larry Bird. It wasn't Kevin McGill. Right. It wasn't Rob. You were the best player. Right. And that, to me, is... Uh, on the know, grandest stage. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, a, that's a journey which, you know, I, I, I just kind of laugh about. I look back and... You know, those things that you think about your, your career as a basketball player and you just kind of just uh, go along with it. I always say my greatest accomplishment, I was just looking at today, I had a, uh, I have a plaque and uh, it's with the Lakers and the Celtics. Oh, the, uh, the yeah. box score. And look at that box score. That's right. one of my greatest, I think, my greatest mementos that I look at. And I was just looking at the day, I was like, wow. I said, you led the team in minutes play, in assists, mm-hmm. and in scoring, yeah, scoring in the championship game. You were a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your defining moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you know, people say, well, that, well, you're the finals MVP. Was that your defining moment? I said, I have had a lot of really yeah. good games. Because that was 84, right? 81. 81 when I was the final. Right, but 84 is when the, the big game against mm-hmm. the Lakers. Against yeah. the Lakers. So, I don't know. I mean, that to me is, a, I think I, if I say one game over another, I get more pleasure. It's like looking at Jordan, thinking about how he had to get over the hump when he played, played Detroit. Mm-hmm. And all the things that, you know, they took him through. It's, it's a learning experience. And when you get to the top of the, the pinnacle of the mountain, and for me, that was the major thing to see Jordan walk away. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you doing? And but I think the whole thing we see now is that it not only was it Jordan, but it was um, Jerry Cross mm-hmm. who um, said, "Look, Michael loved his coach. He loved Phil Jackson. So." He said, Jerry Cross said this will be the last year of Phil Jackson coaching. So Michael Jordan probably said, well, 
Maybe last year me playing. Right. And Michael made it clear he I'm not doing a rebuild. I'm not yeah. trying to yeah. tank for the draft and do all that thing, you know, that, yeah. that organizations mm-hmm. eventually have to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that changes a lot of things, yeah. Yeah. As you know by now, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health by starting Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I've already dropped about 18 pounds, and I'm not the only one. Kendrick Perkins is down about 30 pounds, and we're just two of 11,000 who found the solution for weight loss. No gym, no medication, no tricks, or gimmicks. Awaken 180, a combination of science, nutrition, and expert one-on-one coaching. If you have weight to lose, I recommend you call Paige and her team. You'll lose weight starting the first week and each and every week until you get to your ideal weight. Awaken 186 locations, but during this lockdown, they're starting client virtually. The same program from the comfort of your home. Simply log in to awaken180weightloss.com. Fill out the form online and start your weight loss transformation. Awaken 180 Weight Loss, the official weight loss program for the Boston Red Sox. So wait, real quick, I have, I have a burning question here. Was this the same coach you had sophomore year? And he just uh, decided he didn't want you junior? My sophomore year, it was the first year of integration. So we had, you know, two schools, black, white, and and I went out for the team as a on the junior varsity and I twisted my ankle real bad. Mm. So it was during the trial, so I couldn't come back. I couldn't even walk. So nobody even think about it. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I forget about it. So you took a year off? Yeah, and then I've been playing all this stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to, you know, go out for the team again. I'm a junior. You know, you always have the the naysayers. You know, something that somebody said the other day, the pinnacle of success is made true by failure. Hmm, absolutely. You have to, when you fail, then that's setting you up for mm-hmm. success. And um, like I said, I, I went there. I, I didn't play bad. I played pretty good. But I don't even think he even looked at me. I don't even think he, mm-hmm. he his mind was already set on his team and who was going to be on the team. And I, the only way I made that, that team, I had to have some wings. <laughs> And just start flying around the arena. That's the only way I think that. I'd have even got a shot of him looking at me like that. Right, well, that's my first question. My second question is, how did that phone call go when you were the Finals MVP? Because I think that's one of the first people I want to call just to say, what the hell were you thinking? Well, Coach Jones always said this. He, he, he did the Donald Trump-Obama thing. He blamed my mama. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. So because she made that phone call, he, he was no, turned off no, by no. it? No, no, He blamed my mother because actually I should have been, instead of being a senior, 
I should have been a junior oh, because okay. I went to school early. Yeah, uh, so I started the school when I was five years old. Oh, because you you would have went right into your growth spurt. Right, and right. That's when he realized you yeah, could dunk. And yeah, all yeah. Oh, okay. So he he pulled a Donald Trump Obama. <laughs> On my mom, he said, "I blame your mama for that. I could have had you two years. I only had you one year because you went to school early." Oh, that's funny. So it was, it was, it was always funny when you know. But he always said, "I would have never let him live that down." Man. But what Coach Jones always said, and he passed away. He always said to me, he said, "He said that probably was the best thing to happen to you." Yeah, I true. said, "What?" He said, "Yeah." He said. It gave you a fire and, and and made you always constantly prove that I was wrong mm-hmm. and that other people were wrong about you. Yeah. And uh, he probably was right. It, it did put a fire in me. And, you know, because during the wintertime, I just went back and, you know, I was playing like um, rec league ball. And then I'd go see, you know, our school play. And mm-hmm. I was, you know. I'm about as tall as anybody on the team. I'm walking in like, well, you know, skinny kid, but nobody didn't think about me. And then, like I said, then come back out the next year and just to be to, you know, early on, struggle a little bit, hit my stride. And then just we, our team started to zoom and uh, just dominated. And then, yeah, went from there to being to the state tournament and then became like a, a all state player and, Played against the best player in 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 the state and dominated him. And the story was really one of the cool ones I, I remember was it was Dean Smith at the time. There was a guy. His name was um, Jeff Crompton, who I played against. He was seven foot tall, about two hundred and sixty seventy pounds. One of the top players in the nation, and he went to Chapel Hill, and I went to UNC Charlotte. So you know, smaller school. And um, I played against him in the All-Star game. And, man, I was six, seven and a half, about 170. Man, I, I, I about had wings. I, could, <laughs> I, I was jumping and all kind of blocking shots. I think it's like some stat I had was like six block shots, 12 points, 15 rebounds. Man. So it's so just built the stat sheet up. And um, Dean Smith ended up calling back. And his coach was uh, Guthridge at that time, who later on became the head coach of uh, Chapel Hill after Dean Smith left. And he said that Dean Smith was in Europe. He called back and said, said Guthridge, uh, how, did, uh, how did he play? How did that big fella play? How did he do? And he said, you know, he said, well, Jeff, he, he played okay. He played okay. He said, but boy, there was a kid from Kinston. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about this dude. <laughs> there was a kid from Kinston who just, and, and the story even goes on. It's so funny. It lived even more. It had even more wings after that because if I see Roy Williams today, who is the head coach right now in North Carolina, right. I went down to speak to him. Uh, we played them an exhibition game uh, in Ch- at Chapel Hill. I want to say it must have been about two or three years ago uh, with the Celtics. And I go down and see him. I, was he was odd. Paul Pierce's coach at, right, at that yeah. time in college. And I said, um, Coach, how you doing? Cedric May, he said, you don't have to tell me who you are. I was like, what? He said, no. He said, I understood who you are. I know who you are because you changed our coaching 
philosophy and our coach, our scouting system. Dean Smith said wow. there will never be another player in this state that we don't put eyes on. <laughs> <laughs> That can play like you. We, we will never have another sleeper. So he said, and it's just, it was really just a funny, funny story. But that story just kind of. He's like, yeah, you're a fucking legend. Yeah. It, 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 what? yeah it, it, you changed the game. It, 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 had, it, it has wings. So right. right now, again, if you winning so, um, if you winning saw the coach right now of North Carolina. Uh, he'd be the Roy Williams would be the and you ask him about me. That's exactly what he say. They called it the they called it the the cornbread run. That's what it was. <laughs> it's the cornbread run. We will not miss out on seeing a player who could play in this state again That's and to easy, let him man. not come to Chapel Hill, go down to UNC Charlotte, become one of the best players in the country at that time, <laughs> get drafted in the NBA, drafted, yeah, <laughs> become a Hall of you know Hall of Famer for the Celtics. It's like how do we miss out? <laughs> We had him. He was here, yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't happen like that all the time. Uh, right. You know, I. It takes I, a little bit of luck, right? Yeah, I think coaching is like that. You know, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Ryan Gomes is the guy I always remember. He went to Providence. Ryan yep. Gomes went to, Pro- got, yeah. went to Providence, but that was so every time Ryan Gomes ended up playing UConn. They would always ask the coach of UConn about, so how about Ryan? He's like, I don't want to hear shit about Ryan Gomes. We couldn't, tra- we, all we had was so many scholarships. We missed it. Is that what you want me to tell you? We can't yeah, we, yeah, them, we missed, we missed out of, he's a great player, but we missed him. That's all. And it's, it's so funny when he says that story. I, I, I love that story, but it's just really, it, it was the luck of the draw. It's the luck right. of the draw with any player now. But at that point, what are you going to say? What do you, you want me to trade for him? I can't. He's gone. Yeah, right? he, we fucked up. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's what he said. You want me to tell you? We fucked up. We fucked up. That's what we did. And you know he got that question over yeah. and over. He, he, was, he, he, he was just so tired to hear about this Ryan Gomes story. It was just crazy. Oh, man. That's funny. See... The, to go back to Jordan though, like to find things to motivate you, man. Like for someone like Michael Jordan, this guy used to make stuff up to motivate himself. So one story he told, right? George Carl. This is in between. Uh, no, I think this is before the finals even started. Um, George Carl went to UNC also. Michael Jordan. You know, they both had the same coach and everything. Sees him in a restaurant, passes by him. Hey, coach, how's it going? Coach looks right at Jordan and just keeps walking. And Michael goes, "Oh, it's like that, huh? All right." went off you know started the finals huge performance and everything he's telling people that story he comes clean in this documentary saying that never happened <laughs> I just used that as motivation and I want everyone else to know because everyone's gonna say oh what's he gonna do oh he has to go off you didn't hear no no what happened yo George Carl dissed him last night what yeah he was at a restaurant he didn't say what up to him oh man look it's like all this extra pressure he puts on himself to perform, and he makes up these stories to get everyone else thinking. There was somebody the else. Thing. There was another player who had a very similar story. I cannot think who he was, though. But you made me almost have a story the same way that he made something up. Oh, who? It's Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Shaquille O'Neal said that David Robinson, David Robinson, dished him and wouldn't say anything to him one time. <laughs> and, and he, he kept that story going on and he said finally one day he came clean and said 
No, that never happened. <laughs> he said, I had to put some of my mind to say that David Robinson was a nasty guy and I'm going to kick his ass because he didn't speak to me. That never happened. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Whatever it takes. Whatever yeah. it takes to win. Right? I mean, you look at the backlash now about some people saying, you know, the uh, Jordan's personality and was he a tyrant? And I thought the way Jordan closed out that episode, it gave me the chills. Episode 7, when he's like, look... I did what I had to do to win. This is what I did. And if you didn't want to play that way. Exactly. Man. Then get the step. Then get the step. Get in. the step. And you're not going to tell me to do things differently when I've already won three of these doing it this way. Why would I change? If anything, I'm going to take it up another level, you know? Well, he said, it, and you know, everybody says he, you know, being selfish, but he said also, I wanted to carry these guys to championships. I wanted to make them believe. And, you know, when you put together that, that band that they had and you had Rodman and you just had a traveling circus, it looked mm-hmm. like. Rodman and Pippen and Jordan. I was down in uh, Charlotte. And in Charlotte, they had, it's, it's about racing, um, NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And um, I was down there uh, during the time that, that Jordan and them were running Supreme. And Dale Earnhardt... Uh, he was the famous NASCAR driver. He drove, his car number was the number three. So I'm out there doing a, we're doing a, a um, remote. And we were doing it during NASCAR week. Mm-hmm. And so people would come up and they go, woo, three, that three right now. That three, the black three. <laughs> and so the guy said, asked me on air, I said, you know who the black three is? So I said, who, Pippen, Rodman, and Jordan? <laughs> 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 and people went, what the hell? <laughs> oh, that was so pissing me down that week, man. Like, yeah. You know the Black thir- the black Three they're talking about? Black Three? Who, who are Pippen, Rodman, Jordan? That, that, that Black Three? And so I think that, you know, they, they it, it, was a, it was a circus atmosphere. And I mean, Jordan is going to be... It's it's really strange though. Jordan is either you absolutely love him, or he's polarized people. Mm. Lately, for me, it's been like I I like him. I personally would say you know if he knew if he saw me he'd speak to me he'd say hi da 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 whatever. We're both from Eastern North Carolina. He sees me, hey country boy, as we always call me because I'm right. from Kinston yeah. and he was from Wilmington and his high school played my high school, but I had long gone. But it was interesting to see, him. and then for me to be at Kobe's event and to see Jordan speak mm. and me literally being three feet away from him and I was probably the first person that went up after Jordan came off the stage and the the, the event ended and I walked behind him I said that wasn't a bad speech for old country boy and looked at him and said oh Max how you doing man how's your family da, da, da. and it was so cool wow. and then I said I have some, such love for him in that respect but then what happened with the whole thing with Nike and Jordan releasing the shoes during this pandemic in a mall in Atlanta, I'm, I'm like, who did that? Mm. Who who made that decision? If you're Michael Jordan, you can stop it because this essentially is like your company and your brand. Right. If you're Nike, what are you saying? No, I don't think this is a good time. 
I don't know who made that decision. Yeah. Agreed. I, I mean, do you look at it like that? I do. I do because it's just something that could easily be pushed back. It's not something that had to happen. It's not, you know, a huge event or even if it was a huge event or some sort of Ain't like uh, them shoes weren't going to be popular yeah, a exactly. year from now. Right. It's like it's right. been popular every year. Every okay. year that Jordan lets them out. But right now, that was just a that was a horrible mistake. Yeah. And plus, what stops consumers from, from buying it online? Why don't you just put it? Everything else is going virtual. Why can't well, you do the same? I, 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 I get what they're doing because from an advertising advertising standpoint, you think when, you know, and I've never done it. I guess you might have done it. But, you know, you look at the Nikes you're wearing now. And you think, have you have you ever been in places when they dropped the Jordans? Or, or you wanted mm-hmm. to be there? Or were you, you didn't camp out in line? You remember when Jordan first oh, came yeah. out? Oh, yeah. when I was a teenager. People, people were doing what? That. Camping out, right? Yep. You want to be the first ones to rock them. Yeah. Be, be the out day of, they dropped. Yeah. Be out at night, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Sleeping out on the curb or yeah. whatever. So... I I understand the hype and all this, but this wasn't the time. This was a a horrible, horrible mistake that whoever it is, Nike or Jordan, whoever controlled this to me needs to be backhanded. They should be backhanded because there was no, (laughs) there's there's no rhyme or reason for that. And during the pandemic, there's none. Yeah. Agreed. Somebody come up and tell me, like, why are you going to release shoes in the urban area? And what you saw was a thousand plus kids standing outside the store without a mask on. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel if you're Jordan? How does that make you feel if you're Nike? I mean, that to me is like. One of the things that came out of this pandemic, it, it, part of that, just like I, I can't believe, is it corporate greed? Mm, absolutely. But but you, as you're saying, the shoes are still going to sell. If you sell them a year from now, they're still going to have the same mm. outlook. But you are protecting the consumer. You're protecting me from myself. Right. That's what right. you said. Which is what a lot of companies are doing yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. You should, <laughs> I am protecting you from yourself. That's one of the things we're doing right now yeah. by closing down everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, the governor right now of the state of Massachusetts is protecting us from ourselves. Uh, the governor of California, with all those people at the beach, mm-hmm. he said, no, nah, I'm closing the beach. He's protecting them from, them, from themselves. I, I just didn't believe that Jordan... And Nike would have came up with this idea. I'm just like, when the memo came out and you're going, hey, we're going to go down to Atlanta right now. We're going to drop this shoe this week. (laughs) Who gave the thumbs up? (laughs) Yeah, Who who said, sounds good, man. Perfect. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Who the hell gave the thumbs up? (laughs) There's no way this could go badly. Yeah, I mean, me, 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 nothing could go wrong nothing here. Could go wrong. Nothing could go We're wrong good. here. Other than we have a thousand kids outside with no mask on. That's all. During the pandemic. You know, Kendrick Perkins had an interesting take about Michael Jordan. And I can't wait for all you guys to hear this interview between uh, Max and, and Perk that, that we got lined up for you. But just give people a, a little a little glimpse into it. What did he have to say about Michael Jordan? Well, the thing he said, he, he took away from the, I asked him about the same thing, about the, the shoes and when they dropped and the Jordans. And Perk said, Max, he said, this is what I took away from the, the big, from the last dance. 
is that Michael Jordan is selfish. It's about him. This is about about him. Mm-hmm. So that was really unique. But we talked about, uh, you know, for a good while about all kind of subjects. But that one was a really good one that we talked about the last dance and Jordan and all those things. And even even to the point where we talked about Perk and, and Drake, you know, bickering back oh, and forth right. up in Toronto. Yeah, that's right. And that's I right. asked Perk, I said, I said, Perk, you know, what happened? He said, man. That he, that's a funny ass story. He, he didn't want none of this heat, man. <laughs> He didn't want this damn heat. He didn't want that smoke. He did not want. If they give him the smoke, I gave him a damn barbecue. That's what I gave him. So it's just funny that, you know, listen. And Perk, even like, Perk, Perk after the fact, Perk was still like, what's up? You want to yeah. step outside? Yeah. What's up? You ready to go. And you know it wouldn't have been none, but wouldn't have been Drake, but it's been Drake's security oh, team. of course. All right, dude, this is who you're going to fight. 12 people in front of Drake. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Drake would have been screaming and yelling. Like, yeah, mama, yeah, mama, God. Yeah, da, da. Yeah, yeah. The okay. goons. Yeah. Put the goons on. Yeah, let me see if you, you know, right now, it's just me and you throwing hands up. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I think I'll back down a little bit. I think I'll take this down a notch. Oh, man. Kendrick Perkins, Doc Rivers. You do not want to miss either one of these interviews, okay? Perkins, Doc. You bring back all the uh, all the Celtics family. Well, we got a chance to do a lot of them. Got a chance to do Tony Allen. Got a chance to do right. the one that was really great possible. Ray Allen was unbelievable. the one that everybody has been talking about. So some, there's some things in the works, but, you know, I, I enjoy just as much, you know, bantering with you about you know, the way we feel about the world. And right. I think our connection is because I look at you as a, you know, younger millennial and you, I'm an older guy. Mm-hmm. And then I always think, you know, I'm like your pop's age. So I'm like your pop's <laughs> age. Like I always feel like, you know, how he would think about doing certain things right. and how they would be so different. And it's like, I've always wanted you, I've said this to you before. Eventually you're going to tell me, but I want you to ask your pop's what a Mount Rushmore would look like for him Ooh, of sports. Of sports, of sports, right? You said all sports? All sports. And question. he doesn't, and again, you don't have to pick, you know. Right. You don't have to pick, like, you know, four four different, you know, sports. You could be all, all of one. I, mm-hmm. I talked to uh, Norm Nixon, who I played against, who's married to Debbie Allen, the teammate of mine who played with the Lakers. I asked him that question. He bought something unique, and somebody said it before, but he talked about Edwin Moses. And you don't even know who Edwin Moses was. No. Edwin Moses, and you look this up, he want, he was doing the hurdles at that time. I don't know which hurdles it was, but he did the hurdles. He was the first, he was a math major, and he was the first one actually to count his steps. And he said, if I get the 13, I'm over at 13, 13. And, and he won like 108 matches in a row. Wow. He was that dominant, but a lot of people don't know him. So there are a lot of different names out there that you you think about. And you're going, wow, I hadn't think, thought about that. But as I said with that question, you can't be wrong, mm-hmm. but you can be challenged. Right. So Definitely. I think that's the funny part about it. Yeah, man, I, I'm gonna set that up. I'm gonna record it too. I'm, I'm dying to know who okay. who is Mount Rushmore. Is. I would really want to know him, and then your brother also. Okay, and just as two millennials, uh, you're millennial, like he's a you know a couple mm-hmm. years older than you. A few years. Would ago. would it be different with him? And would it be? And I'm sure it'd be different with pops. Yeah, definitely. On you know who it oh, was. Man. I mean, you are the biggest David Ortiz fan. <laughs> I think maybe in New England. <laughs> 
my city. <laughs> no, you're, you're sleeping not broke in my city. city. You're sleeping on our You broke my city. All right. <laughs> That's right. Ortiz, Ortiz fan over here. I'm repping. Yeah, you are. So what do you call him, though? Huh? What do you call him? Ortiz, I just told you, man. What, what do people call him? That's David Ortiz. What do people call him? They call him something else. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> need to go get Rosetta Stone or something real quick. <laughs> you cannot get that out of your mouth going, Big Poppy. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not doing it. His name is Ortiz. Uh, David. That's what his mom named him. Yo, said like the entertainer, Cedric the Entertainer. The guy met him and said, Sad, you 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 can call me delicious. Delicious? I ain't calling no another damn man, grown man, delicious. Hey delicious, how does that sound? Hey delicious And you going Poppy Hey big Poppy And in Spanish Hey Daddy yeah. hey, hey Big Daddy <laughs> What? I'm uncomfortable just saying that right now. Never mind actually Looking at Ortiz and saying it to his face. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Until next week, guys. Appreciate you. Uh, As always, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate us, Cedric Maxwell Podcast.